Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. College football heats up in week 11 with some matchups that will definitely turn some heads and get some views, which the NCAA will be thrilled about. Nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. Some teams already in the NBA stink. We got a couple managerial changes as well in Major League Baseball. Fresh off crowning a World Series champion, we got guys going different places in the middle of the night to rival teams. Very interesting movement when it comes to the MLB and some managerial decisions and comments by GMs of certain franchises who had one of their worst seasons in 30 plus years, but apparently quote, I think we're still pretty fucking good. We won't mention any names as to whom said that, but for fans of say the state of New York, maybe you'll be able to figure out who I am talking about. We could start with some college football for a change because this weekend has some juice to it for several reasons. One of which is the teams playing in general, and then obviously the storylines around said teams playing in general, with a big one obviously being one of the teams in Michigan who gets to go to Happy Valley and play Penn State, a three versus 10 matchup at noon. Kind of the only disappointing thing is it feels like that should be a night game, maybe a whiteout type deal. The crowd's still going to be crazy, but the sun either setting over the game or being down completely would be a better feel for it. But there's a ton going into this game just for the reasoning of Michigan, it's sign-stealing, and this really being their first game against a quality opponent and a fan base that hates them in general now having the vitriol behind it as to how they're going to be cheering slash booing slash whatever else to the Wolverines, what an environment it'll be. And there's rumors swirling that there's a potential for some sort of allegation or relegation or rule figuring out when it comes to the NCAA or the Big Ten and what they want to do as a punishment to Michigan. I don't believe anything will happen before this game. I think it would be foolish to do so, especially because it seems still, even several weeks into this, every day something new comes out about this situation from someone or somewhere. It's just been crazy to try to keep a hold of. It's almost like, in a sense, the Big Ten as a whole would be better off just saying, listen, we'll deal with this at the end of the season. I know it's going to be a little ugly here, but let's just figure everything out once all these games are played. Whereas if you're a team... Uh, All the teams, aside from Michigan, you want punishment to happen now, especially if you have to play them Ohio State, Penn State, before the season ends. would make a lot of sense, and I could sense their arguments. But in general, even without this backdrop, 
this is one of the bigger games that we'll see this season. We've had some pretty good matchups thus far. Alabama-Texas, of course, stands out as an early season one. But now we're getting to the point of, okay, we'll see Utah have to go to Washington. That's obviously going to have a ton for the college football playoff rankings. We'll see Michigan have to go to Penn State. We're in the sense now of Ole Miss-Georgia being games where you're looking at these teams in the top ten. Who's going to beat them? Are they going to be able to win? Can USC dethrone Oregon and ruin their season despite their season being ruined? Like This is the week, I think, Al, across the board will have those storylines in the major conferences with these teams in the top ten. This is it. Kind of we're starting our own destiny type deal now in week 11 of college football. Well, first of all, John, it's great to be back with you and our friends and our listeners. And obviously, welcome back from your first anniversary celebration, folks. The big man and his beautiful wife. I just celebrated their first anniversary in a uh, beautiful, uh, secluded, well-to-do cabin uh, in uh for what is here, upstate New York. Yeah, from St. Uh, Lucia we, we, after the wedding to an upstate cabin in New York. We won't, we won't disclose. We won't disclose the location. You won't find it. It's fine. Uh, but uh, glad you had a wonderful holiday or a, a wonderful anniversary weekend, and uh, many, many more. In regard to this weekend, the thing that we have to ferret out is: are really any of these teams? going to cause a problem do we really think as much as i've always rooted for them my entire life my entire sports life but after yet another embarrassing performance by their defense uh, where they lost gave up you know uh, another half half a c note all right uh to university of washington do we really think that the USC defense, regardless of the fact that their defensive coordinator was finally fired, are going to put up any kind of a battle against Oregon, who has got probably the most high-powered offense in the country? Do we really think USC can go on the road in that hostile environment and make this a game? They'll score, but goodness gracious, despite the greatness of Caleb Williams and the weapons that they have, with a defense that can't stop a strong wink and they stay within a couple scores, I'd be shocked. That's item one. Item two, Utah's just not very good. They're, they're okay, but do I see them causing a problem for Washington? If they do, Washington has a huge problem. I already think Washington's a phony team. So maybe they can cause some problems for them and make it a competitive game. If they do, that bodes very poorly for Washington. And lastly, you know, show me. James Franklin and company. Yes, you're at home. So at least you've got a puncher's chance. Show me you can stay in the ball game. I don't want to say beat. Show me you can compete against a really good team. Michigan's a really good team. I don't give a shit what anybody says, but they haven't played anybody. They're really good. They made the playoff two straight years. They got a lot of guys back. J.J. McCarthy is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. I I will be stunned based upon track record if Penn State wins this game. Maybe they finally compete. Maybe it's a one-score game late. But uh, until Penn State shows me that they can beat anybody, anywhere, anytime, who's any good, Michigan. 
And as for what's going on off the field, I mean, did did somebody get really hurt here? You know, is somebody infirm? Has somebody been threatened with bodily harm? Has somebody been attacked? But what are we talking about here? Are, are there any crimes that have allegedly been committed? Has anybody, any of the players done anything off the court? Excuse me, off the football field? Off the gridiron? Somebody not going to class? Somebody ineligible? Did somebody do somebody harm? Somebody get in a bar fight? What am I missing? There are certain allegations. Okay. Let's see where the allegations lead. Let's see exactly what happened. And when it all comes out, and I understand it's not a court of law, so I'm not talking about due process, but there are Big Ten rules. There are NCAA rules. There are certain actions and certain procedures that have to be followed before we can find out all the facts and determinations can be made by the conference and or by the NCAA. Until that happens, play the games. And I am not a Michigan man. I'm not a Michigan fan, but I have never been one to punish players for the wrongdoings of those above them over which they have no knowledge, no participation, no involvement, etc. Jim Harbaugh gets suspended at the end of this season for two years. If they get put on probation, if they lose scholarships, so be it. You know, if, if what they did is found to be violations of rules and caused advantage, you know, brought about advantages against other teams, and those violations merit punishment, serious punishment, then let it be doled out. But not now, because we don't know all the facts. You know, we know that some guy bought a bunch of tickets to a bunch of games, and we know that everybody tries to steal signs. It goes on all the time. They're beating people by 50 points. You know, you think you, you, because some guy is going, well, some assistant coach is buying tickets for other people to go to games and film cards on the sidelines that they're outscoring their opponents by, you know, 412 to six. What are you kidding me? Not a great season for the example of this being an incredible negative thing when, yes, the offense, the lowest point total they've had this season is 30 points. The last they're kicking four games, the they have 52, 52, 49, 41. <laughs> they're kicking the daylights out of everybody that they play because they're better. Let's remember, this team went to the Final Four the last two years. Oh, oh it's because they're, 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 they see the, they know what the duck signs are that people are holding up? Or when you shimmy and shake and the guy's holding up the goofy pictures? Uh, come on. I mean, are you kidding me? And again, if I'm wrong, so be it, but let it play out. Let's see exactly what the actual circumstances were and what these people did with these tickets at these games and what they filmed, if they filmed anything, what was done with it, what Michigan did with it, how much an advantage they gained, 
etc. And if it merits punishment, let the whether it be in all probability the conference, let the conference dole it out. And remember, the conference is in a very difficult position right now. This is the first big decision, uh, controversy or otherwise, for this new commissioner. Is he going to cut off his nose to spite his face? Is he going to take a ton of potential conference money from an appearance in the Final Four and say, Michigan, you can't go? Not going to do it yet. Not going to do it yet. The only time they're going to do anything, if they do anything, would be after Michigan's not going to the Final Four. They'll go to a bowl game. So they lose some money from a bowl game. But if Michigan beats Ohio State, and Michigan goes undefeated, wins the conference, which puts them in the Final Four again, is potentially the number one seed, possibly. You think they're going to say, sorry, I, no, no, no. You can't go. You can't go because, uh, you know, you're stealing some signs. And uh, sorry, you know, all that money that would go to the conference for you going, can't go. That will never happen. Not happening. Lose to Ohio State. Different story. And now with the spotlight as bright as it will be on everything that's happening with Michigan moving forward the rest of the season, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you can use this as fodder in the locker room of like, hey, everybody thinks you're cheaters. Nobody thinks you got here on purpose. We've got three more games left to prove we did. Let's take care of the business in front of us, go to the college football playoff, and show everybody again that we belong. Well, if, if, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you do exactly what you just said. They think we're cheaters. Fuck them. Yeah, right. Fuck, f- fuck them all. We don't need them. Fuck them all. We don't need them. Show them who you are. Right. Show them who you are. Now, if you can't beat Penn State and you can't beat Ohio State or you lose your Big Ten championship game, now we have conversations about Jim Harbaugh and about some of the dudes on the team. Because they're the numbers that are getting thrown out by scouts, people in the know, the people that do the this is Bruce Feldman has that article before every season, like the big dudes of the NCAA or whatever it is, and he had to like leave people off from Michigan because there are too many. Also left off some from Penn State. I mean, people are saying 17, 18, 19 kids are, are easy. First, second round draft picks. It's like half the half the starters should be in the draft. No questions I had asked. A okay. Conversation with our fearless leader tonight. A brief one. Uh, the future hall. Uh, excuse me. The uh, the Hall of Famer and um, gold standard in sports talk radio. The greatest of the the, the goat. The one and only Christopher Russo. And, and I and we pretty much agreed on. You know, our, our evaluation, which for me is as follows. And, you know, I don't watch every one of these teams every game, but I've seen every one of these teams a few games. And no, Michigan hasn't played a really good team yet. And we'll see. But going into this game, the four top teams for me are – Georgia number one, Michigan a close second. 
I have Oregon as the third best team in the country. And then you can kind of toss a coin between Ohio State and Florida State. Ohio State should have lost. Absolutely, positively, to Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame lost to Louisville. Got severely outplayed by Louisville. Notre Dame lost last week and got severely outplayed by a mediocre Clemson team. So that doesn't bode well, in my mind, for Ohio State at all. Yes, they beat Penn State, but as we just said, what else is new? Penn State was awful in that game. Their quarterback, who was touted as a Heisman Trophy candidate, looked like it, you know he, he needed it was the winner of the best a participation trophy. He was abysmal. They were awful. Now, I think this Ohio State quarterback is a little bit better than most people think he is. Marvin Harrison Jr. helps because <laughs> he might be the best player not named Caleb Williams in the country. It's pretty good, yeah. Um, and Florida State is good. But this is not, you know, a Bobby Bowden Florida State team. They're not dominant. They've had a couple scares of their own. I don't even put Washington ahead of those teams and they're undefeated. Oregon, I, I thought, dominated a good chunk of that game against Washington, and their coach gave it away. You know, their coach literally gave that game away. Several times. With the three fourth down decisions. You're not going for a field goal before halftime. The second time he didn't go for the field, that one I could have, uh, you know, I understood. And then obviously going for the fourth down at the 45-yard line with a couple of minutes to go instead of pinning it back when his defense has been playing great. Uh, he gave the game away. They were the superior team despite their injuries in that game. I don't like the Ohio State quarterback. I think he's incredibly overrated. They got a scare against USC, which we know is not a juggernaut. Their offense, terrific. Their defense, as good as their offense is, their defense is worse <laughs> from a perspective of, you know, as great as the offense is, the defense is at a lower level than the offense is a high level. They are literally, you can't stop a strong wind. It's it's just as bad as last year. They can't tackle. Um, they, they rush the passer pretty well, but they can't stop the run. Uh, guy had a career, he had 256 yards, I believe. Uh, for Washington, uh, career game. I, I don't like the quarterback at all. They've got him touted, Michael Pettix, as a as Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, he doesn't respond well to pressure, I don't think. And Oregon put pressure on him. We Oregon put pressure on him. You know, the old coach turned into a pumpkin. Uh, I don't like their defense. Oregon went up and down the field against them. USC went up and down the field against them. I think they're soft. And I think if they play Oregon again in the Pac-12 title game, I think Oregon will beat them by two touchdowns. And I think Oregon is one of the top four teams in the country. Uh, now, who do I leave out of that? Charging hard is, of course, Nick Saban and his young quarterback and an ever-improving Alabama team. But the SEC is not that good this year. It simply isn't. Do they have a chance? For sure. If they go to the title game and they beat Georgia, they could wind up finding themselves on the inside looking out and both teams could go. Sorry, I know it's your conference. Um, I, I, 
Look, Texas should have lost last week. Texas already lost to Oklahoma. That loss looks even worse now since Oklahoma lost to Bedlam. Right, should we lost to Oak State in Bedlam. And they just got outplayed by Kansas State. Kansas State gave that game away. That coach gave the game away. Several I times. Don't know what he, you know, several times. The kicker helped. But the coach is clued. He's lost. What are you doing? What are you doing? The play calling, the decision making. All right, what are you doing? Going for two. You, you don't you tie the game and get it in an overtime. You're at home. You're at home and you're playing better. And oh, by the way, they've got a backup quarterback in the game. Who's throwing against more helmets than he is hands at the time. The longer you, it's, it's, it's like overtime in basketball. The longer you play, the team that's playing better has the better chance to win. You've got the better personnel in this circumstance simply because you're playing against a backup quarterback who's done not much of anything in this game. Kick the extra point and take it to overtime. Just Again, I just don't understand what some of these coaches, they make a fortune. But I'm starting to believe that they're getting paid a fortune for what they do from Sunday to Friday night. Because some of the in-game decision-making of these coaches in major college football makes me think that they have got maybe a half a fucking brain. I mean, these guys make decisions like their IQs are, are, are like room temperature. And this was another one. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Well, you even mentioned Bedlam. At the end of that, Oklahoma State is trying to stop OU from scoring and win the game. So Oklahoma is trying to have another one of these Texas-esque drives where they're going to go down and win the game. It comes down to fourth down. They're down four. The previous play, it looked like they stopped the forward progress of the wide receiver quickly, so they didn't give him like two or so extra yards. So it's fourth and five. Drake Stoops. You might recognize that last name, Oklahoma folks. Yes, the son of Bob. Runs a little corner, you know, to get to the sticks. He's two yards short of the route. He runs up. He turns left. He's running as you would. He's short two yards. Catches it, immediately tackled. The game's over. You need five. You have a route run for three. Now, maybe you could say in some way that the coordinators didn't realize they spotted the ball back the two yards. No one calls timeout. Like, everybody's hearing the same thing through the headset, and nobody realizes, oh, that's only a three-yard route. We can't do that. We need five. Quick glance at the scoreboard, fourth and five. Quick glance at the sticks, fourth and five. We can't have them run just three yards. Game's over. You've got two losses. You're probably not making the Big 12 championship game, and you're definitely not making the college football playoff. 
Now, do you do you end up winning? Who knows? There's still a lot of time left. A lot of things have to happen. But it's it's hard on the couch, I know, to be the guy who's never played football screaming at these people. How could you possibly? But it just seems like it's not even the schematics and the football sense of things. It's just the logic of how the game is played where I need five yards. I should probably run for five. In Kansas State's example that you're talking about against Texas, you're trying to have one play to win this game. We're going for it all. We need five yards as well. Our short offensive play calling has been trash. Maybe we should just kick the field goal here and go into overtime. Nope, we're going for it. Okay, what play are you going to call? Will everyone be involved? How many options will the quarterback have? They ran a slant to the back of the end zone. And then they had the tight end just sneak out to the right, Al. And that's the guy he was supposed to throw to. The defense was going to follow the wide receiver to the back of the end zone on both sides. And this tight end was just going to prance all the way to the pylon. Unfortunately, one of the defenders saw that happen and immediately ran at the tight end. And the quarterback looked at him and saw he couldn't throw to him. And the play was done. Two seconds into the play, the play was ruined. It was blown up, and they had no second option. So the quarterback, Will Howard, is running around trying to save his life against the Texas defensive line. Not easy. He slips and falls, and the game's over. And you're wondering, okay, we could either think about why they went for it there and the risk of trying to win the game instead of sending it into overtime, and then who knows what happens. But then you look at the play that was called for it. That's the part that you have to scratch your head about. You tried this, like, we'll catch them off guard type play, but there was no safety net if that didn't work. So in both instances, you basically said, you're throwing it to this guy, and if it doesn't work, game's over. Okay, well, it didn't work either time. It's just, it's disappointing to, like, what does it say to your, to your offense? What does it say to Kansas State's defense where you basically said, oh, we can't, we can't possibly stop them anymore? We can't go to overtime. Why not? You've been fine in the second half, and it's a backup quarterback, as we mentioned. Try it out. And, and, and that's literally. Happens uh, everywhere, it, 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 Al. It's not it, like these it, are just two examples from this past week, but it's been all season. At stuff. least the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game is, you know, a bad route, whatever you want to call it. Who knows? Maybe it was Stoops. Who, who knows? But the decision in the Kansas State game, it, it's all on the coaches, how do you not kick the field goal there? How do you not send the game into overtime when you're playing against a backup quarterback? My mistake. I think I said go for two. You know, when obviously I meant go, they went for the touchdown. But the point is you're playing against a backup quarterback who looks abysmal. He hasn't done anything throwing the ball. And you can't he's use turned, the defense. Well, the over. special teams had the, the the botched extra point. The snap, they snapped it too fast. They didn't get the extra point. Well, you ended up tying the game on a 41-yard field goal exactly. the last time you had it. So that cancels that argument out. You exactly. just kicked one. Just do the same thing. You're close now. Makes no sense. And it, it's not, well, it's week 10 in this case for the National Football League. We'll get them next week. In college football, this this is it oftentimes. In college football, when you get to this stage, there is no next week. No. Not this there year. No 
there is no next week. Now, 12 teams yeah. make a college football playoff. Things might maybe go your direction, but I mean, for a lot of teams at this stage of the season, you're exactly right. That's it. Next week might as well be next year. Yeah. So Texas, which was a team that could have had a slip up there, and that would have killed their college football Should have had a slip Should up. have. Now they have to go to TCU and Iowa State. The benefit for them now, though, is Malik Murphy will be back to being the backup. Quinn Ewers is starting on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now he is returning very quickly from an AC joint sprain. Two weeks, two games, surprising. Obviously, he knows his own body, but the first time he hits the grass, people are going to be looking to see how he reacts to that on his throwing shoulder, no question. No offense to your conference. I like your conference. I was for Oklahoma. I root for TCU. I don't have anything against Texas, but they don't belong in in the playoff conversation. They don't belong in the playoff conversation. No. They barely, they lost to Oklahoma. We know Oklahoma is okay, right? Because they just lost Bedlam, obviously. They should have lost to Kansas State. They're not that good. Their defense is mediocre. Their offense is okay. Remember, after they lost to Oklahoma, they almost lost to Houston, Al. Houston! who Who have they beaten? They beat, they beat Alabama. Their For next sure. best win is Kansas. Well, Kansas State is, is ranked one yeah. position point closer. Yeah. But the thing for Kansas is that was also a backup quarterback. Jason Bean is their backup quarterback. Not like people need to know that. He's gotten a ton better now in his fifth game than he was when he was thrown into the fire against Texas's defense. Not easy to do. So that's their next, next year, best win. It's going to be next year. It's going to be a very different scenario with the four buys and you know the five against twelve. Yada 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 yada. yada. It's it's going to be a different world. Um, all these teams that we're talking about right now are going to be in the mix. Absolutely. And it's going to be, and it's going to be a battle royale. You know, uh, amongst the next teams out one losses you know with one loss and some two teams or some, some two loss teams uh there's there's going to be some two loss teams that are going to make it it's as simple as that you know in, in the 10 11 12 spots you got a really good sc team with the you know, mississippi you know when they lose when they lose <laughs> if they lose or better yet Let's say Alabama loses to Ole Miss. Well, there's a terrific two-loss team that is going to be in the, in the tournament next year. Number one, they're playing the best conference. Number two, uh, their losses will be to two really good one-loss teams, uh, Mississippi and Texas. And number three, uh, guess who they are? Uh, Alabama. Yeah, it would be another year where we would have the joy of the in-between selection show interview where Nick Saban is polling and politicking for his two-loss Alabama team well, to make the college football playoff again. He's, he's giving you the results of the nationwide poll. <laughs> On a neutral field, who would win? You tell me, okay. Reese Davis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, asked, I asked the boys in Vegas to make us a line. 
right? I know we're not going, but if we were, what would the line be? <laughs> uh, we could we could use another one of those this year. We really could, and we could get one even with just one loss. There, there's going to be a conversation potentially whether or not they should get in. Anytime we could have the politicking from Nick Saban on national TV before that or during that show, I should say, because they haven't run 23 hours, it feels like. Well, look, they picked the young, young Mr. Milrow is really starting to play well. Uh, he's just a baby. And the better he plays, the better they look. I'm not going to say that. Look, there is absolutely a chance they could beat Georgia. This is, as, I, as we've discussed in past weeks. This Georgia team is not as good as the past couple of years, but they are getting better. This quarterback is getting better. Uh, he's maturing. Now, they put some pressure on him last week uh, in the pocket. He didn't react to it too well early on, but he hung in there, and they continued to run the ball well. Their offense is getting better as a group. I and remember they are missing their superstar tight end. Um, I love – this McConkie kid that they've got. Uh, he is not that fast. He is you know, obviously not Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's one of those guys who gets open, who makes big catches, and somehow, some way, gets yards after the catch. He finds space. He's, I, I think he's one of these guys that you know, is a Raven fan. That's the guy I want to draft in like the fourth round and make him the compliment to Zay Flowers because he's big, he's got great hands, he runs great routes, and he makes big plays. Um, they're not the juggernaut of the last two years, but they're still really, really good, and they are well-coached, and, you know, the old line, you want to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. They're not going to be easy to take out, whether it's the SEC title game or whether it's in the playoffs. They could absolutely lose. Absolutely. But... Until they do, and I'm sorry. I've been watching college football for the the better part of 58 years, 59 59 years. And when a team goes undefeated for two years and they won two consecutive national titles and they're undefeated again in – still the best conference in the country, but not the conference that is leaps and bounds, the best conference in the the country, like it's been in past years, because the SEC is not quite as strong this year. I think we can both agree upon that. They got some really good teams, um, but it's not, there's no other I believe national championship contender other than Alabama and Alabama is not what they've been. That still makes you pretty strong until that team loses. They're number one. I'm sorry. Unless there's somebody out there who's beating everybody 55 to nothing, which Ohio state is not doing. And I don't care that Ohio state beat Penn state. Again, that proves nothing to me because Penn State never beats anybody anytime he plays anywhere in a big spot. Georgia's got the belt. Georgia's the champ. And until somebody takes him out, they're still number one as far as I'm concerned. But I think Michigan is really close. And you know, maybe it's the fact that they've got a 47-year-old quarterback who's got all these years of experience. 
But I think Oregon's going to be a very tough out, a very tough out. I think they're really close to these teams. So that's the way I see it. I'm with you, and I think it's nice when we get to this point in the season because the excitement level for these games shoots through the roof. I've been saying it for this whole season. I've said it in the past. If you're favoring the National Football League over college football, especially this year, you're missing out, man. Missing out on a lot of great football being played. And even when not great football is played, as we discussed on some of the decision-making at the end of some of these football games. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Switching to the other football league, the National Football League, as we come to the end of another riveting offensive just battle and juggernaut, everything you could ask for in a football game on a Thursday night. The Carolina Panthers went out to Chicago to play the Bears, and man, the scoring has just been through the roof. It's 16-13. Bears are winning that one. Trying to hold off the Panthers. Wow. Another great night for Thursday football and excitement. Looks like it's just going to be kneel down time now for if you can name the Chicago Bears quarterback, you get a lollipop, folks. Tyson Badgent, everyone's favorite. He's had quite the life, and now he's starting for the Chicago Bears. Division II, Shepherd University. Everybody knew watching him play those football games that he'd be on primetime Thursday night football with Al Michaels withering away in his money trying to get through these garbage games. Well, there's one for you folks, 16-13. Last week we had a situation where we're close to the this-is-who-we-thought-you-were-esque games because the Dolphins had to play the Chiefs, albeit in Germany, because anytime you can get more money, you know the commissioner of the National Football League will. The Chiefs won that one by a touchdown. Oh, he's... He's going to get paid a little bit more to do the job a little bit longer, Al. He's got to. That was a touchdown for the Super Bowl champs. The Eagles beat the Cowboys at home by the hair on Jason Kelsey's chin, 28-23. The Bengals beat the Bills on Monday Night Football in another FU performance from Joe Burrow. Your Ravens beat Seattle by 2,000. Very interesting scoring for that game. And then the other ones where you're middling 20 to 17, 24 to 21, 30 to 6. That'd be a giant score, of course. Off. Your typical 2017s, et cetera. Not much excitement or way of anything worth talking about. As you mentioned, I was in a cabin. I had full access to Red Zone and could watch any of the games. I chose not to, and it was glorious. I caught the end of the witching hour on red zone where the bucks made some fantastic lore with the Texans and CJ Stroud threw for five touchdowns and ended up winning in the end. 
that was exciting, I will admit, and also exciting to see the Vikings win with a dude they literally just picked up off the street and Josh Dobbs, who didn't know Very any cool. of the plays. They're on Very the cool. sideline with like a stick drawn the plays in the, dirt, him in the dirt. And he comes back cool. and beats the Falcons. So I will admit there were two exciting ends to those games. But in general, you're not missing much in the National Football League. Did you I think give, anything I, of these big, uh, these big game matchups that went in one direction in a well, week before, nine? Before, before. It was that was a great win, I will say, people, and it's a great story. Well, like you said, they're going to suck this year, and because they won so many games last year, you know, by one possession, they're losing them all this year. But they got off to their bad start, but now they've come back. And they're actually in the playoff mix in the NFC, uh, obviously after losing Kurt Cousins. And they're doing it with a guy that, that you know didn't even have time to you know, read the playbook, who they brought in from the Cardinals. Or know the names. <laughs> they were like, uh, did you know all the names of the guys in the huddle? No, like first names maybe or jersey numbers. He was, he, we'll he, learn he, that he, after the he, game. He, he, he told the guys in the huddle to turn around. <laughs> So we could read the names. It was, it was a movie. It was a movie before our eyes. Honestly, if it was a bigger so game, I, it would be a film. I give that entire staff and that group a lot of credit. I really do, uh, because they are, they are in the playoff mix, and they found themselves a quarterback to take them the rest of the way. This guy will be their quarterback for the rest of the way, and the rest of the division stinks. The Bears are awful. Green Bay is awful. You got Detroit, top of the heap. Where are the, where are the wild cards coming from? Who we got in the West? Rams stink. Arizona stinks. Okay, I, 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 I San Francisco's Seattle or you know, you think San, everything San Francisco's world beaters? They're down to five and three. Seattle, after getting obliterated by my team, is five and three. So you figure Wildcard's going to come from there. Wildcard going to come from the South? Who? So that leaves the East. Well, we know the Giants are pathetic. Commanders are mediocre. So you have Philly and Dallas. So that's, you know, two Wildcards. Minnesota's in the mix, baby. Josh Dobbs. Comeback player. Four and one on the road. Forget about the home field and the horn and everything else. We don't need it. I, I, I just think it's really cool. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know what to expect. This was the game where I actually, for once, thought the Cowboys were going to win outright and play really well. And surprise everybody because the Ram game, you knew they were going to crush them. There's always a game, you know, where you know this is where the Cowboys are going to kill somebody. They're due to kill somebody. All right, you knew that was coming. So now it's time for them to play really well, and they outgained them. But every time they get in a big spot, how when you get the benefit of an interference call and a roughing the passer call when it looks like the game is over. Now you're first in goal at the five. It's finally your chance. Dak Prescott. 
it's finally here. You can put all that stuff behind you, at least for a week. Get rid of all the doubters like me. It's first and goal from the five. With, what, 27 seconds to go? What does that mean? The first three chances to the end zone, and then a fourth down, you can do whatever you want. You get sacked on the first play? I, I, I mean, how many years have you been doing this now? You're not a young quarterback anymore. You cannot get sacked. You can't get sacked. Even if they call grounding, you can't get sacked. Even if you throw it out of the end zone, you can't get zacked. And that backed him up. It kept the clock running. It turned into, for excuse the term, a Chinese fire drill. The next thing you know, it's you know it's it's fourth and forever, and uh, you know it's over the middle of the three yard line. And the last time I checked, when you got to score a touchdown, throwing the ball to the three yard line, that doesn't get you any points. And they wind up on the short end of the stick when they really were the better team. And Philly quarterback Jalen Hurts is out there limping around, you know, on one leg. And you still can't win the game. Philly is, I mean, am, am I getting a little Nick Soriani out? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I like him. He's a fun guy. He's a good coach. I love little girls. Don't take this the wrong way, folks. But I don't, I don't need to see Nick's little girl at the press conference. Sitting next to him making, fences, making faces. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. <laughs> that's not the time. And that's not the place. If your little girl wants to be in the front row watching, saying rooting for daddy aunt, that's great. She she does she's adorable, but she doesn't need to be front and center there. Sorry. Um, but I'm getting tired of Nick. And they're dodging bullets left and right. They're really good. They're not great. They're a really good team. Uh, are they the best team in the conference? Absolutely. Because the games that the Niners are losing, they're not. They got outplayed, but they still put up enough points. So when the Niners, you know, get outplayed, they don't score. And they're getting the ball ran down their throat. Now, I'm sure the Niners will bounce back. But, you know, as we said at the beginning of, of the season, can we put down the Brock Purdy pom-poms? Uh, those have been put down for quite a while now. We'll see how they do coming off the bye week. Was I surprised by Cincinnati and Buffalo? No, not really. Not really. Buffalo still can't run the ball. Uh, Joe Burrow is getting healthier. They're not the juggernaut they were offensively. Uh, but they're getting better. They don't run it that well. Their defense is pretty good. And in all honesty, I know it may sound subjective. It may sound braggadocious. I said to Chris Russo, 31-20 Ravens, because I figured, you know, Geno Smith might, you know, catch, uh, you know, the Ravens defense. I don't want to say napping, but as good as DK Metcalf is and, you know, Lockett, who's been catching touchdown passes for the last 39 years. You know, maybe they beat him deep here or there and they put, a, you know, not drive for touchdowns, but a couple quick scores. but. No shot. 
they look like they were playing the Raven defense. It looked like there were 15 Raven defenders on the field. They were everywhere. Will that carry over this week? We'll see. But they were clearly the better team. They're seven and two. They should be nine and oh. They gave away more probably their coach and the players gave away two games. Um, they're the best team that I've seen so far. We'll see how good they are because now it's after a home win against after only having you know a couple of home games. They have three in a row, three in a row at home. Uh, Seattle, who they just beat. Now the two division games, the Browns, who they pummeled in Cleveland, but Deshaun Watson is back and played a little better last week. And their terrific defense, by that I mean the Browns, against the Ravens' terrific defense and offense, which is rolling, and Lamar's playing fabulous. That's this Sunday. And then they have the dreaded short turnaround. There's only one thing I hit more than a Thursday night NFL game, and that's a Thursday night NFL game where my team's got to play it. Ugh. And then they have to turn around after playing that tough division game and play Cincinnati at home on Thursday night. So uh, we'll see just where the Ravens are uh, after those two games, because that will be a very, very good litmus test for just how good or really good they are. Still a long season, as you said, but maybe. It's already been, it's already been long. <laughs> It has been long. It's been even longer because of the play on the field being as horrific uh, as it was. I, I hate throwing I, I, out stats I mean, about it, but like it just it just stays you couldn't in the face every game. A, you couldn't have picked a better weekend to go away. It's true. These College games, football wise, games, missed, a, missed some excitement, caught some yeah, excitement. But, but it's just from an NFL football, standpoint, some so many of these games were just. What am I watching? Yep. You're even red zone, eyes. it doesn't even like Scott nope. Hansen doesn't know where to go. What, nope. what game are we yep. going to go to? We're going to the the better game of the day, and they're at like the twenty two yard line, not in the red zone. The other twenty two. I'm watching just because there's better I'm watching, I'm watching New Orleans and the Bears. Why? <laughs> I don't care if they have the ball in the red zone. Show me something else. I don't want to see New Orleans and the Bears. That is literally lingering death. What are you doing to me? Uh, we had a game tonight on Thursday night football. Both teams threw 30 passes. Neither team threw a touchdown. Neither team threw an interception. That's happened 19 times in NFL history. It's happened twice since Monday night's game. Is something in the in the water? Like what? We need. We need Connor Stallions to figure what's going on on these sidelines in the other way. I think that like we need problem. somebody to steal the signs just so it'll it'll help create some excitement somewhere, something. It's bad. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Pleasure always mine. As you know, folks, from my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato AKL from Sport Al from White Plains. We hope you all have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>